0: Right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the History and Philosophy Department podcast. i uh, This is our second interview here at ninety-six Historical Site. I'm interviewing uh, Sydney Shepard. I believe Sydney has the distinction of being the very first interviewee for our podcast. So, if you if you enjoy this interview, and I know you will, I hope you'll go back and have a look at her talking about historical clothing. She makes historical clothing, which is really cool. So, uh, just to kind of begin, Sydney, could you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Um, my name is Sydney Shepherd. I was a student at Lander. I graduated last spring, um, and I had the good luck of being able to get the job here at 96 pretty quickly. Uh, most college graduates don't get that right. opportunity. Um, here I do visitor services, so when people come in, I greet them and kind of tell them about the park. Um, and then I do the reenacting stuff for special events.
0: Right. Oh, excellent, excellent. Mm-hmm. And so you were mentioned you were a history major, mm-hmm. right? So um, in what ways do you think that helped prepare you for work here at 96?
1: Oh, I feel like, especially at Lander, I feel like overall Lander is a really good school for teaching people how to be professional, mm-hmm. um, just how to send a proper email, how to talk to people in a professional environment. Um, and I think... That was something that was taught me from every professor, regardless if they were history or not. And then uh, my history, was, history professors really taught me how to do good research and how to think critically of the right. information that I receive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I really enjoy doing here: is when I have to do research, is being able to bring those skills that I learned at Lander and actually use them in a real-life professional setting.
0: Oh, excellent, can you give me a concrete example when you've had to do that?
1: Um, we had we have a lot of people that will call or send emails looking for relatives that they heard might have fought here or okay. had something to do here. Uh, we had someone that had two relatives from two sides of his family that he knew had something to do with the town of 96, and through my research, I found they were both loyalists that were hung on the same day. Oh, no. For being loyalists. Right, right. Um, oh, they goodness. were housed at the, the jail here, and then they were hung, and the uh, hangman was paid 95 pounds per person, which was a lot of money. That's a huge back amount in, of money. Back in the day. That's a lot of money now. And there was five people total Right. that were hung that day, and so I went through all of our documents we have here and were able to find their names and... You know, relatives and you know, be able to give them that information so they can you know, take that and find even more information about other relatives, and they really appreciate the amount of records that we have here and that we're able to kind of shed light on to something they didn't know about. Right. Well, oh, that's really cool. How did they
0: respond when they heard that that's what happened?
1: Um. Obviously, it's not always fun to hear that yeah. your relatives were both hung on the same day, but uh, <laughs> they were they were glad to know that they had such a important part. Right. Of ninety six. Um. You know, they weren't just a one name written somewhere in a corner, and that's all they had. They actually right, had right. a lot of information. Uh, I had another gentleman. He had a relative that uh, fought under Green and normally you might find a paragraph at most on someone i have right. pages and pages on this relative and i was shocked that we found so much information right. he was shocked that he got that information so it's it's makes me happy that i get to kind of give them something they didn't have before
0: oh that's really cool so yeah oh excellent oh, that's really putting the public in public history there mm-hmm. right you able to inform these people and you mentioned you had a you have a special role in the living history. Is that
1: right? Whenever we have our special events, I'll dress up. And uh, the event we're having this weekend, I'm doing my first tour. Oh, excellent! So that's a little nervous about that, but I'm really excited. Uh, so, um, you know, for this event, it's uh, Women's War. So I'll be kind of demonstrating typical day life of a woman during this time. Uh, when we had our Christmas event, I was. Uh, cross-stitching ornaments. Right. Um, and Adrian was making gore. So it was typical task that would have been done during the season, during the time period of the revolution or colonial time.
0: Right, right. And you have a special set of skills, I think, that go to that. Could you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about that?
1: Um, well, I am a seamstress. Um, I am self-taught, so that's, I guess, my big skill when it comes to I can make my own reenacting clothing. Right. Um, just how they would have done it back in the day, um, so that's a, a neat thing that a lot of reenactors don't get to do. They have to you know borrow their clothes or purchase them. Right. Well, I get to make my own, which is really fun.
0: Yeah, well, that's really cool. And I mean, like I said, for our listeners, we Sydney and I talk in deep detail um, about that. But I, I will take this opportunity to brag on Sydney because I remember when you told me that you got this job. I was very happy for you, but I was not surprised. Mm-hmm. And what I want students to get out of this was because Sydney has a passion for history mm-hmm. and did something really concrete with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that really, that shines through, but also it gives you something to kind of to talk about, to say, mm-hmm. okay, you know, I do this kind of thing. And mm-hmm. it, it, I, I think that kind of skill really helps. Mm-hmm. Do, you think, did that, do you think that played in, did you mention that when you applied for this job?
1: um when I because I had volunteered here two summers before I got okay. the job here and so at least Adrian knew about me um, right even though she she wasn't in the hiring process she helped me make my resume okay which was that's the biggest part of when you apply to a government government job is your resume right it's yeah a big deal and she was like what you have isn't enough like you need to go in to de- detail exactly right. what you know how to do and a lot of big portion of that was my sewing abilities and mm-hmm. my my history with reenacting. Right. And even little things that you didn't think were important, like I know how to hem. That's such a small detail that I didn't think would be necessary. Right, right. But, you know, little things like that uh, are a big deal in a government resume, especially for a historical park like oh, this. Oh,
0: yeah. No, I imagine that. So, and, and that's one thing that came up... And that's just where having that kind of inside information helps so much because I was always taught as a student, resume is one page, Mm -hmm. but not apparently when you're applying for the National Park Service.
1: Yes, I was very, it was a learning curve, but I'm very lucky that I had Adrienne there, that she had that experience before, and she was able to kind of guide me through that. So I was very lucky with that. Um, And so any listeners, if you apply to a government job, Make sure you have a government resume. They're very, very different than a normal right. resume.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. And it also goes, I mean, I like that you you you'd volunteered. You built mm-hmm. a personal connection. And that's mm-hmm. so much, um, that's so important, I think, to finding mm-hmm. work. I mean, there's a saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And people say that critically. But I think part of the point is, no one will know what you know unless they know you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that makes a big, a big difference. Mm-hmm. So, I know, though, and... Um, we've kind of shifted a bit to actually getting the job. Uh, Adrienne's story, we just listened to, took a while for her to get the job. What did you have to do to get this job? Um, It was not an easy process.
1: For me, I thought it took forever, but compared to most people, it was very, very quickly. Um, I applied this past April and didn't hear anything for a very long time. And um, they had to offer it to someone else, and that person turned it down. And then I... I had to wait a very long time, and then they offered it to someone else, and then I had to reapply to it, yep. and then I had to wait a long time, and then finally I got a call, and I think it was after I had started annoying them by sending them emails and yep. calling them every other day, trying to get a response. So just staying consistent and not, I guess, losing faith that right. you will get a response. That's a good thing about uh, your mate. they will respond. Right. Yes or no, they aren't just going to kind of forget about you. So that was a good thing that I would have a response, but I did have to wait almost, I would say, nine months for it.
0: Right, right. Oh my. No, that does
1: take a while. Yeah. Yeah. So you were, how did
0: you, what did you do while you were waiting?
1: Um, Well, during the summer, I studied abroad in the UK at the University of Cambridge. Right. Um, Actually had to reapply while I was over there. Right, right. (laughs) That's pretty cool in and of itself. Mm -hmm. That was a trip of a lifetime, opportunity of a lifetime. I would give anything to be able to go back there. Um, to be able to see that part of history that I enjoy and to go into buildings that are older than my own country is pretty cool.
0: Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we think stuff's it's a 100 years. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a very different story. Mm-hmm. What were you studying?
1: Um, over there, it was technically interdisciplinary studies, but I chose that so I could kind of pick and choose which type of classes I wanted. Um, so my first term... I did stuff that I'd never done before. I did uh, uh, environmental sustainability and Hellenistic poetry. Oh, wow. And the great prime ministers. And I liked the great prime ministers because that was kind of the only area I knew anything about. Um, And we just kind of started chronologically and went through all the prime ministers and it was, I guess I could say I was at a disadvantage because I didn't know. right any of them but like maybe two or three of the big famous ones so it was very uh interesting to learn all the small details that I didn't even know about right um and it was also at the time during the election of Boris Johnson so that was kind of cool that all that happened oh right right yeah yeah. oh my gosh yeah Brexit (laughs) um Brexit (laughs) was happening (laughs) all that stuff um and then the environmental sustainability class was very depressing because it was <laughs>
0: it's not sustainable
1: the, about the environment and how we're kind of screwed if we don't do anything. <laughs> um, but it was very intimidating. Some that class we had three different professors, and one of them had been arrested multiple times for protesting oh the destruction of the rainforest. Right. One just got back from Antarctica, so I was very intimidated because they do such cool things and I haven't done. Anything nearly as cool. Right, um, right. And then the poetry class was just very, very, very hard. I did not understand anything, <laughs> but I was really happy to learn about it. Right. Um, but the second term was the areas that I enjoyed. I did uh, British homes and gardens. Excellent. That's pretty um, useful here. Yeah. And then uh, British uh, palaces and castles. Right, right and uh, what was the other one it was uh, It's kind of hard to explain I, it was very it's a very new type of history it's looking at terrain as far as uh, kind of seeing history through the terrain sure. so like how we have the earthen works here seeing that and understanding right, yeah. the history of earthen works and stuff like sure. that And, you know, there's a street called Market Street. Most likely at some point in time there was a market market, on that street. Makes sense. Um, So that one was very, very cool. Um, In all three of those classes we had field trips. So we got to go into the city and look at stuff and... It was really, really fun.
0: Excellent. I do want to point out, you, say, you were comparing yourself to professors saying, I haven't done anything this cool, but I'm sure our listeners are like, wow, Sydney's done a lot of cool stuff. <laughs> and I would argue that the main reason you haven't done as so many cool stuff with them is that you haven't lived as long. So I think yeah. you will accumulate more and more of <laughs> uh, that kind of thing. So what's kind of a typical day for you here at the park?
1: Um, for here, when the weather's nice, we definitely tend to have more people that sure, come of course. out. Um, I come in, I open up a visitor center, get everything set up for people to come in. Um, if it's one of our busier days, sometimes we'll have people at the door waiting for us. Um, a lot you see a lot of families come in and right. typically this is not their first national park. They right, right. this is probably their hundredth national right. park. And uh the junior ranger is really big for kids. Um mm-hmm. and a lot of people take those very, very seriously. We had this one family that came in, both girls had vests on with their little badges all over oh, that's like awesome. they were way down with the badges. Um, and they'll get their stamps. The passport stamps are very popular. Um, Each park has their own stamp, and you can kind of collect them. And then I give them kind of the overall history of the park. And a lot of them have questions. The most common one is, why is it called 96? Yeah, I heard that one just a second ago. I have to answer that question quite a lot. Um, To answer it, no one knows why it's called 96. There's a lot of different theories. Most likely, it's 96 miles between here and the Cherokee cha- training post in Kiwi. Right. Um, so that's kind of the typical morning. And a lot of, especially this park, we get a lot of people that come to the park but don't come to the visitor center. It's right. a great park for people to come run, to walk yeah. their dogs, just to get out in the fresh air. So we have a lot of regulars that we just see yep. walking past. But we've never talked to them. But we just right, right. We know. oh, we know that dog. They're coming every single day. And then we do have our regulars that do come in the visitor center, so that's always nice to be able to see them and talk to them. And uh, kind of whenever we have, you know, we'll have elementary school groups that come and we'll give little talks and tours if, you know, there's a special request for it.
0: Right, right.
1: Excellent. And what do you think,
0: what would you like people to get out of when they come to the park?
1: Um, I feel like one, a lot of people don't know about the park. I didn't even know about the park until I moved to this area for school. Right. And then a lot of people don't know how big the South was in the Revolution. Oh yeah. War. yeah. Everyone thinks that it was you know Philadelphia and Boston and yep. New York. No one thinks about the South and if they do, it's maybe Charleston and that's right, it.
0: Right, yeah.
1: But, it, you know, the second half of the war was the South. That, like Everything happened down here and the coolest things happen down here, and no mm-hmm. one talks about it. It's rarely in any history books unless it's specifically South Carolina history. Right. And even then, I don't, I've never seen 96 in a history book before. Right, um, yeah. So it's I, I'm glad when people come to the park and they watch the film and they see the museum, like, I had no idea this was so important, and I wish that more people would know that outside of having to come visit the park.
0: Right, right. Oh, excellent, excellent. And what kind of advice would you give your fellow students to make the most of their Lander history degree, or if they get a minor in history, or just if they want to follow in your footsteps? What would you tell them?
1: I would tell them, like, a lot of people, when you tell them that you're a history major, they either ask you, are you doing education, or they laugh at you. (laughs) And to just don't even think about those people. To, if you want to do something with a history degree that's outside teaching, you can do it. You have to be persistent and you have to find it. I was very lucky and found it very quickly. Right. But, you know, to kind of push through, make those connections with people Mm -hmm. that, you know, if I hadn't have volunteered here, there's a good chance I wouldn't have gotten this job. Right. So, it's make those connections while you're in school and it will pay off once you graduate and, you know, you can do it. If, you know, you might not have anyone thinks you can do it, but you can. Right, right, yeah. Well, I think a lot of it's that passion. Like mm-hmm. I said, you were. Like I said, I was happy
0: for you, but not surprised.
1: <laughs> um,
0: what kind of advice would you give the professors? What should we do to help equip our students better?
1: Um, I think especially at Lander, even if you don't have the education emphasis, it still tends to be more education leaning. Right. Um, is to have more options available to students mm-hmm. for different career paths with still having a history major. Um, you know, maybe a lot of people don't know that the national park is a good option.
0: Right. Yeah. Um,
1: and I think having kind of a, a cool range of different classes like the public history class. <laughs> um, I wish I could have taken that class cause that yeah, would have been, <laughs> <laughs> been the coolest class to take. Um, is to kind of give those opportunities to different students so they can uh, they can learn about different career path options. Right.
0: No, that, that makes sense. We need to maybe talk more about that. That's what the WMD mm-hmm. certificate is supposed to do, and hopefully we'll be able to do more with the, the public history. Now, yeah. you even though you weren't able to take the class, you're not going to be a part of the class, mm-hmm. right? Because they will be, you're going to get a lot of hits, even Ranger Stewart, because they'll have to listen to
1: yeah. it. a <laughs> <laughs> so good
0: deal. Well, that's all the questions I have. Is there anything you'd like to say to, to kind of conclude, or?
1: Um, I would say like kind of along with the advice that you know enjoy the four years that you right. have at Lander. I really miss them now oh. that I'm not there. Come visit. Yeah, you're not far. Yeah. Um. So and don't don't stop the learning process. That excellent. Uh, just because you graduated doesn't mean that you're done. Right. You don't yeah. necessarily have to go to grad school, but I think continuing to learn about different parts of history is very crucial. Uh, to being a better historian.
0: Right, right. We're good. Well, very good. Thank yeah. you very much, Ra- yeah. Ranger Shepherd. I mean, he's saying say Ranger <laughs> Stewart? Say so Ranger Shepherd too. <laughs> uh, I'm sure our listeners will enjoy this, and I encourage them to go back and look at that first interview of ours. Mm-hmm.